it's time for living large and hard. Hey, what's up? I'm just going to pop you in here for a second and I got to hit another intro because it's time to play That's Bullshit again. So I'll be back on the other side of this later. So just sit on back, chill a bit, relax a bit, maybe take a hit. And when you see fit, then it's time to call That's Bullshit. Hey there. Welcome to Living Large and Hard once again, or again, or once. Anyway, this is That's Bullshit. This is segment two, or episode two, or episegment two, or whatever you want to call it, part two. Um, First one went over pretty well, actually. I got three responses pretty quickly, playing along, guessing which part... Of what I'm about, of what I did tell you, and what I'm about to tell you, is bullshit, and you call bullshit on it. Now these are things from my life, and then you figure out which one's bullshit. Now, first, the other segments will be three things, but this is the Pontiac Silverdome, and I have a lot of history at the Silverdome, and uh, Silverdome. Pontiac, Michigan, outside Detroit, built in 75, met its demise in 2013. And uh, the Lions played there, Detroit Lions. The Pistons played there. There was all kinds of other stuff that happened there as well. But as relates to my history with the Silverdome, we're going to go over a few things. 1981, and Fireman Bob was part of this. We went to see the Stones. And uh, opening for the Stones, well, opening for the Stones was (laughs) us standing outside. And uh, there was recycling in Michigan. There is recycling. And there was places to put your recycling bottles. And then people were just, ended up lobbing them because, of course, there were beer bottles. So it was raining beer bottles pretty much near-ish to the containers. Um, Another guy, security had to haul him out of the line while we were waiting. He was up to, to no good next stuff. And then people were screaming, why does he get to go in early? And then once we got inside, the opening act was this gigantic woman up in the upper, upper balcony. And she got in a fight with a guy. Basically, she would just windmill and, and slam this guy down. And then security came, and the first two security guys got slammed down too she windmilled them motherfuckers and then uh, more security came I think it took there was about six of them all together finally got her out so that was fun to see anyway uh, saw the stones first time I saw the stones loved it it was it was fantastic they did some Motown covers because they were in Detroit representing the local you know, local talent you know uh, God it's one of the best concerts I ever saw I forget, there was like, you know, usual 50,000, 60,000 people there, something like that. It was a gigantic crowd. Um, Nate, uh, opening acts were Iggy Pop, The Clash, and Santana. And Fireman Bob and I were discussing this not too long ago, and he 
remember Santana just destroying it. I don't remember Santana even being there. Uh, I do remember Iggy Pop rolling on the stage. I brought binoculars because we were so damn far away. Uh, I remember Iggy Pop rolling on the stage and watching him bleed because people had thrown, you know, their smashed glass up there and stuff like that. So I remember that. I don't remember the Clash even being there, but apparently they were because I looked it up. Um, in 82, saw The Who at the Silverdome. Uh, Eddie Money opened, and he was he was horrible. I hated it. I mean, I never liked him anyway. And he's just so weird looking with that droopy lip. Well, he doesn't look like anything anymore. He's dead. I guess he looks like a dead Eddie Money. But uh, that droopy lip and that halting dance stage presence is whatever. Fucking hated it. Uh, the Clash was there as well. Do I remember it? <laughs> no. I do remember seeing them at Michigan State University. Um, it's when they had the, the giant wall of TVs, which back then you're talking about vacuum tube TVs, you know, not the flat screens like now. So this was a whole thing and there's, you know, so all kinds of crap. So I remember seeing them there. I don't remember seeing them either open for the stones or for the who. Um, not because I was fucked up either because I, I was never one really to partake of alcohol before a show because I thought it was a waste because you had to go piss you might have to go piss during the show you know and you, if you black out what good's that do uh, anyway the who they sucked <laughs> I did not like the who whatsoever and uh, you know saw the stones a year before less than a year something like that with their big one of their typical gigantic stages, you know, with Mick and, and the rest of them running up and down these long runways out into the crowd and inflatable this and that and all kinds of stuff. And the Who just, oh, they were bad. They were like an oldies act of themselves. Once in a while, Daltrey would swing the microphone around. Um, Pete Townsend was cool. He was, he was going nuts. So he was entertaining, but it's just one guy out of four. Uh, McEntwistle just stood there, and he had water bottles with straws so he didn't have to move to get a drink. So he just stood there the whole time. It was, it was boring. And it was so boring that it was the first, certainly not the last, but it was the first concert that I'd ever walked out of. They were that awful. Anyway, oh, Sophie the cat wants out. She's stuck in here, so oh, now she's running the other way. Never mind. Um, 1987, WrestleMania three. Yes, folks, I was there. Uh, there's some contention about what the attendance was. Uh, they said 93,100 something or other. The Pope was there not too long after. And it was 93,000 and then 600 something. So the Pope beat WrestleMania 3 by like 500 people. Um, put on nowhere near the great show. I mean, I was, I forget what it was. It was like eight hours, eight and a half hours or something. There was 12 bouts or something like that. And just the clockwork precision that this whole thing ran on. Um, if you go back and look, if you're a wrestling fan at all, I mean, for me, 
that was pretty much the end of it was the 80s um but anyway it was rowdy rowdy's retirement and uh i think i may have shed a tear <laughs> i'm kind of choking up now thinking about it and it was also what everybody knows from them was when hogan body slammed andre the giant well he picked him up while andre stood real still anyway um it was a clusterfuck outside the thing place was not set up for that many people and they were not set up to handle that many people so i managed to squeeze my car there were two streams of cars coming together into one stream and i'm taking my hands and making like a a a wedge in front of me so where this wedge was coming together i just pulled mine in hung a quick right and then that's where I got to park where the streams were putting. And so the next, you know, the next person's like, fuck, I'm going to do that too. But anyway, what I did was, uh, I used to pack snacks and beers in the trunk for afterwards. Cause I would just, I'm, I'm in, I'm one of those that thinks that it makes more sense to just wait. I don't leave somewhere early to beat traffic. Never done that. What I will do is wait till later to beat traffic. So anyway, it was after the whole thing was over. I think it was like an hour and a half just walking around the entire outside, inside, the perimeter inside of the Silver Dome until they finally kicked, kicked us out. I think that was like an hour and a half or more. And, you know, get to the car, and there's still cars backed up getting out. So had a couple beers, some pork rinds, whatever the hell I had. Um, so I remember that because it took forever because there was really no traffic control whatsoever on the way in or the way out. So there's that. Um, 1988. Uh, what at the time was the largest basketball crowd. NBA. Nope. Sophie's at the door yelling. Hold on. All right, that was a failed attempt. Um, what at the time was the largest NBA crowd ever, 61,983. It was the Pistons versus the Celtics with Larry Bird. And that was a record that would stand for 10 years. And again, uh, cheap seats. You had to buy multiple 12 packs of Coke or something like that, and you got a free ticket. And not being a, a soda or pop drinker, as we called it back then. I remember buying a bunch of that shit for, just to get free ticket, which didn't really make any sense because it wasn't free then. Um, yeah, sat way up. Uh, happy to see Larry Bird. Always a hero. From someone who uh, was a... was is you know a dorky tall thin white guy who loved basketball and loved the uh putting the work in i used to just gotta go out and shoot for hour after hour but anyway um so it was cool to sit way up top because i could see how larry bird would uh 
see things that nobody actually on the court would see, like grab a rebound and just turn and fire it down the court where there was nobody. And then you could tell from way up high where, where I was that there was someone actually on their way to that point to get the ball. Um, kind of like a, a quarterback leading a receiver. So that was cool. But yeah, 60, 61,093. So that would have been um, well, two records at that point, two years in a row that I was there. Um, I also saw at the Silverdome my first cell phone ever. And it was one of the... Uh, I'm, I'm recording this on a laptop, so I'm looking at my laptop. Fold the laptop down. Make it about four times thicker. Put a big fucking shoulder strap on it and a regular old-school phone handset. And I believe... Well, this would have been the same time. Mid-80s. Late-80s. Back then, it was like $2 a minute to use these things. And... Uh, well, I'll tell you what, back then, $2 was $2. You know, it was a shitload of money. So that was... Uh, that was a mind-blower. I had seen radio phones in cars which is even weirder looking because it's an actual you know handset in a car in the center console and then the car would have this great big whip antenna that they'd have to it was so tall they'd have to clip it from the back bumper of the front anyway i'd seen that but i'd never seen this um mythical cellular telephone so that was a big deal i mean it was a big deal to everybody that noticed the guy had it. And he, I'm sure he was, maybe he wasn't even talking to anybody on it because it was so goddamn expensive. So that was a big deal. So anyway, you figure out which one of these things is bullshit. And let me know. Uh, Mike or Max Marvin on Facebook. You can direct message me on Instagram, Living Large and Hard. SoundCloud, you can get back to me through that. I'm not sure how you listen to this, but uh, if you go to SoundCloud, you can do it that way. It's probably easier. If you have my phone number, just text me. Um, I might as well just put my email out there too. X-I-T-F-E-R brains at Gmail. Shit for brains at Gmail. You can email me. If you have um, recommendations or anything, you can email me there too. So there's all the ways to get a hold of me on this. Um... TCT was the winner of the first contest. They get the 1978 green Eldorado that uh, the Living Large and Hard Trio drives around. They get to use that for a week. I'm sure they'll enjoy that. Um, and as always, as we sign off here, however you got to this, if there's another way you listen to podcasts, you let me know and I will find out how I can put this thing up there. And... From the skybox, high above Route 309, Allentown, Pennsylvania. Let's listen to some traffic on the way out. Bye now.